Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football, presented by Texas Electricity Ratings. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined each and every morning by Bobby Burton and C.J. Vogel. And a lot to talk about today, but before we get into all that, tell us where you're checking in from. Be sure to get your questions in, but definitely tell us where you're checking in from. We love to see that, see where all you guys are watching or tuning in from. And uh, let's start with recruiting, fellas. Coaches obviously out on the road. I know they got a big visit today to go see one of their commits. CJ, what's the latest there? Yeah, Texas is sending out their A-team right now, it looks like. You know, it's Steve Sarkeesian, Tashard Choice, and Jeff Banks hitting the tr- hitting the road kind of on a national scale. They're, they'll be out in Saraland today checking in on a quarterback commit, KJ Lacey. Uh, they were out yesterday checking in on a pair of Texas commits as well, Brandon Brown and Emory Winston. So, uh, hard to imagine three guys on the on this this staff right now that you'd like to see more walk into your school than those three. But Texas is really doing a, a, a tremendous job uh, hitting their guys that they have in the class right now. You know, we've talked about being able to get started and get rolling in the 25 class. They've done so a little bit earlier this cycle than we've seen in years past. And they're making sure that these guys are feeling the love. They've also stopped by Lance Jackson and uh, Anthony Williams earlier uh, last last week as well. So a lot going on. A new offer went out yesterday. Jamie French, the number 12 overall player in the country, a, a, a talented playmaking wide receiver. I actually chatted with him a little bit yesterday. Uh, no, has not visited Texas yet, but he said he absolutely wants to get down to Austin. Uh, that's a, somewhere he he wants to visit. He loves how Texas used their wide receivers, and he's a big fan about how Sarkeesian airs out the ball in his offense. Uh, it, it, it's already going to show the the, the evidence of what's A.D. Mitchell and Xavier Worthy were able to put on field uh, last year, obviously helped in the 24 class, landing Ryan uh, Wingo and, you know, a a trio of talented wide receivers. But moving on to 25, a lot of excitement right there. I also wanted to touch on Jaden Sanders, a 6'2 safety out of Kilgore. Texas is starting to take a a little bit of a deeper look here. It looks like uh, uh, he's getting evaluated at cornerback and safety. He's about 6'2", 6'2 half. Just earned a Texas Tech offer yesterday, and he's being uh, recruited. He has offers now from Arizona State, Houston, B, uh, uh, Baylor, and Oklahoma State. So a lot going on. He was at the Texas Junior Day, and it looks like uh, that evaluation will be going a little bit further as well. So uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But right now, a lot going on in the trail, and these coaches are – I mean, the miles are just racking up for him. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And then uh, obviously high school recruiting going on. But, Bobby, I know that you're kind of keeping an eye on a certain team up north when it comes to the portal. Can you tell folks about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
I think that the best way uh, I could put it is uh, we're on hold uh, right now. I, feel, I, I wrote today this morning that it feels like an old Al Pacino movie line that, that the portal just, I, I think I'm almost out and then it keeps dragging me back in, you know, it's like the mafia almost. Um, Texas right now uh, trying to uh, see what's going to happen basically with a number of uh, Michigan players, uh, Kenneth Grant, Mason Graham, uh, those guys uh, legitimately would be an, of interest to any school in the country. Uh, yesterday, Kenneth Grant, the defensive tackle, that's six foot four, three hundred and thirty nine pounds. By the way, uh, he would be a true junior out of Maryville, Indiana. Uh, he started following Sark, Texas football, Sadir Mitchell, and Tavondre Sweat on Instagram. Later in the day, though, he took it took it down, stopped following those accounts. He was also following Dan Lanning, uh, the uh, head coach at Oregon. Um, so we'll see if he actually enters the portal. That's going to be the key, I think, uh, for some of these guys. Uh, what happened yesterday that precipitated this movement, whereas before there really had been none, Michigan decided to part ways in some uh, to some extent with its uh, special uh, with its strength and conditioning coach. Uh, he did not get the offer he wanted, so he's going with the San Diego or the Los Angeles Chargers and Jim Harbaugh instead. And not only was Kenneth Graham a Grant upset, but Mason Graham, the defensive tackle out of uh, Anaheim Servite, who was a first team all Big, Big Ten uh, performer, uh, Grant's second team, uh, he actually tweeted a broken heart emoji. Like this is a guy that was well thought of and is, is, was said to be kind of the constitution of the team behind the scenes. Like if Harbaugh wasn't there, he was actually the, the strength and conditioning guy was actually the leader of the team. Um, and so I think that all of that is interesting right now. Uh, Texas uh, would be very, very uh, interested uh, if, uh, if that were to take place, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I, I, I think that the Longhorns are, would be interested not just in those top two defensive linemen for Michigan too, by the way. I mean, they've got four or five guys that would be good enough to go play at Texas Maybe not this year, but in the future. So, uh, look, the Michigan roster is loaded uh, at some level. Yes, it's off of last year based on the fact that they're probably going to put 10 to 15 guys in the NFL this offseason. But uh, you can bet that Texas would be very aggressive if given the opportunity. Yeah, they got some dudes. Yes, they do. <laughs> Absolutely. And you can see it, especially up front. I mean, you know, they they have some guys on in the secondary. Will Johnson is a, a – all-American corner going to be a top 10 pick talk to top 10 pick. He might be a guy, but the reality of it, uh, uh, CJ and, and Blake is um, they've just got a lot of just as you would expect, they're one of the most talented five most talented teams. If this were to have be happening to Texas, Texas would be, people would be preying on them as well. I just, I put it that way. <laughs> Attempting to at least. And then uh, before we move on to the next thing, Chris McDonald says today would be the last possible day to get a transfer in. The ad drop overrides the rest onto the next portal. That's true. That's true. Technically, Chris, there can be exceptions in rare, rare circumstances. I would bet it would have to be by the end of this week to get a rare exception in. So I, I hear, I agree with you by the letter of the law. But as we know, there's there's always a little bit of wiggle room. There's not a ton, though, to, to Chris's point. I mean, just a little bit. 
So if something were to happen, bang, bang, they could. Otherwise, they're going to have to wait till the spring. Now, that doesn't mean they can't go ahead and recruit the guys, too, by the way. I mean, so if they do go in the portal, they can recruit the heck out of them. They just couldn't have them uh, enrolled on campus until the spring. Yeah. Until after the spring has passed. Well, a couple of former Longhorns are uh, trying to impress NFL draft scouts right now. We got the Reese's Senior Bowl, obviously, going on, the East-West Shrine Bowl. CJ, I know you've been keeping up with that. You even got a thread over on, on TexasFootball.com, you know, with all the updates on that. What's What are you hearing there? What's impressed you the most, et cetera? Yeah, a, a little bit of a mixed bag, really. Uh, I was kind of surprised. Jordan Winnington was not on the initial roster at the Senior Bowl in uh, – in Mobile, Alabama, a little bit of a surprise. He earned that offer, actually, or I, I guess invitation to the Senior Bowl during a big practice at Texas, and that was kind of a big deal. They paraded it around on social media. He was not on the roster, and Byron Murphy also is not expected to participate uh, due to a report. He was dealing with a late-season injury and still kind of nagging him a little bit. So a little bit of something to monitor there. Devondre Sweat this morning did not weigh in uh, at the Senior Bowl. Not a big deal, but that was kind of one of the big question marks is what number is actually on that scale when Devondre Sweat steps on it. The tape doesn't lie, and I expect to see him put on a good week of workouts this past uh, or this upcoming week, but a little bit of a question mark. So the positives, Ryan Watts actually came in uh, at the East-West Shrine Bowl as the, one of the fastest players uh, on the entire practice sheet. Pretty impressive. I know that was one of the biggest question marks with Ryan Watts. We, we knew that he could play. He's actually at safety in the, 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 the bowl game practices as well. So a little bit of a transition, but he's answering some of the questions that he's had uh, so far, and that's with the speed. That's pretty good to see. Uh, JT Sanders was actually listed to one of the East-West Shrine game watch lists as one of the big-time risers potentially in this draft as well. Uh, we talked about Kansas City might needing a tight end. That might be somewhere where he ends up going, squeaking into the late first round. And then Christian Jones got his measurables back from the senior bowl as well. 6'5", 318. He came in uh, just a hair under a seven-foot wingspan, so right around six six feet, 11 inches. Pretty good uh, measurables coming in for Christian Jones, a guy that's looking to make a jump into the late rounds. This is a big, important week for him uh, in the one-on-one settings, in the team settings, and obviously I think he just knocked off uh, the measurables from that side of things as well. So pretty positive there. Did you notice uh, how in that uh, that uh, log that you showed just then, CJ, they listed CJ, uh, they listed Ryan Watts as a safety? That is interesting. They, they did not put him down as a corner. So even though he ran well, they're still projecting him more as a safety than as a corner. Uh, so I, I think that's that's kind of what we all expected, right? And what we thought he might try to do if he came back to Texas for an extra year. Uh, but the NFL, they don't they don't play. No. <laughs> you know, they they they, uh, they have to have certain things. Period. They don't. They don't uh, let you just kind of tip around the edges. They make you go go big uh, or go home. Longhorns also uh, played basketball last night, guys. Uh, losing in overtime, 76-72. Uh, Longhorns played well. I thought, uh, yeah. guys, I really did. I I thought they played well. I think the in, uh, implementation of Kendall Weaver more and giving him more minutes has helped a little bit on the defensive side of the ball, while not taking away too much offense. Uh, he's been that kind of mix. Now the question, though, is are they going to be good enough to get into the tournament? Uh, because they they won two in a row last week 
to against ranked teams. Now they've lost two in a row to ranked teams. Uh, granted, uh, Houston ranked number three in the country, a great, really good ball team, only lost two games all year. Uh, but, you know, it's it's starting to get on that uh, – I don't know how to say it. Uh, it's it's a little crazy right Pretty now. Close. Yeah, yeah it's, it's getting a little too close for comfort. Uh, one thing I do want to mention, uh, Ulrich uh, Chomshi, the uh, big, big man from uh, Cameroon, I think it was. Yep. Is that right? Yep. Uh, he was in for an official visit yesterday. Uh, he is at the NBA Academy in Africa. Uh, so he is going to be looking at a couple other schools, but Longhorns had him on a visit. That had to be a really good uh, good atmosphere for him to visit on, though. I mean, yeah. I, I will say that overtime game that was back and forth like that. Uh, we'll see what – we'll try to get a, a word on him and see what he's he's thinking after that game. Yeah, and I think he actually officially leaves later today. So it is a two-day official visit. All right, Bobby, before we move on, why don't you tell everybody out there about Texas Electricity Ratings? Yeah, for those of y'all still living in Texas and in the major cities with deregulated electricity like Dallas and Houston, you understand that the deregulated electricity market can be confusing. Uh, Texas Electricity Ratings is a shopping website that lets you compare prices, read customer reviews, and find a good electricity uh, bill or company that fits your needs. It also filters out a lot of the gimmicky plans on websites like Power to Choose that trick customers into expensive bills. So if you're in the market for a new electricity plan, shop texaselectricityratings.com forward slash OTF for all your electricity needs. Hook them. That's texaselectricityratings.com forward slash OTF for all your electricity needs. All right. Well, there's plenty of time to get your questions in, so please do so. We'll obviously get to as many as we possibly can. And uh, let's get started with those questions, guys. We, uh, let's, we'll go back to basketball because we do have a couple of basketball questions. Rob Enfield says, do you think Terry keeps his job if he doesn't make the tournament? I, I, it would have to be a total implosion for him not to keep his job. I agree. I mean, look, you, he's, you don't just give a guy one year to decide whether or not he's any good or not. Um, I, I, they didn't do that with Steve Sarkeesian in five and seven. I mean, the year before Tom Herman was seven and three and they didn't fire, you know, so I, I feel like that's part of it. Um, uh, I do think that they have to get better, you know, and improve over the, over the course of the year. The problem I'm having right now, and I don't CJ, I know we've talked about this off air is I don't know if they know who their best five on the floor at one time are right now. It seems like, it, and, and maybe that goes to the players themselves a little bit and lacking consistency. I can't tell you that this is the five I would put out there. Uh, I see CJ wrote this here. Go for it, CJ. Yeah, I was actually pretty encouraged in that second half. You know, I thought in that f- early on, it looked like Texas was a little bit stale. They were stagnant offensively. Houston obviously has a tremendous defense, but they didn't have any creativity there. Second half, I thought they found some sort of a rhythm. They started going to the inside with uh, Dessue. Weaver's kind of one of those spark plug guys that you don't know what's going to happen. He might jump through the rim. You know, the, he, he he's an exciting guy that plays within the, the boundaries of controlled, you know, aggression. It's, yep. it's exciting with him. I liked what they did a lot in the second half. And I thought it was those five that really helped progress, you know, Texas in terms of get, gaining a six-point lead, fighting back for a four-point lead, getting into – Really, uh, I would I would say advantageous positions on the scoreboard, despite being down by eight at halftime. 
I thought there was a, a clear adjustment there. Texas wanted to go big, obviously had to uh, in terms of finding the rebounds, which was still an issue. Houston, you know, is the best rebounding team in the country. So that's that's its own conversation. But you didn't see a lot of uh, Brock Cunningham last night. You didn't see uh, a lot of Onyema as well. I thought Texas and, and Rodney Terry, to his point, found what was working early in that second half and said, you know, we're going to ride this out. And for the most part, it, it worked out until – you know, a, a final late late game turnover, which eventually led to overtime and Texas not just having enough juice later on. But I thought you found something that worked. Not Moving forward, as every game is getting more and more critical, this is what that lineup needs to look like late in games. Those five guys on the floor, Amos, DeSue, Weaver, Mitchell, and Hunter, I thought Texas covered all of its ground offensively, and they still had enough juice defensively to ensure that they could, one, take away an opponent's number one scoring option with Weaver. They had enough height and size on the interior with Mitchell being kind of a hybrid big guy uh, and obviously DeSue kind of uh, shuffling in and out with uh, Shedrick. So that was encouraging to me. I I hope that for Texas' sake it continues into the upcoming Big 12 slate. Uh, but that right there is what I was encouraged about the most uh, from last night's game. That's an awfully small lineup, by the way. I mean, it is. that 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 is guard heavy uh, to the extreme almost, uh, which is interesting because they started off the season almost the polar opposite, uh, trying to play Weaver a little bit of D, uh, not not yeah. Weaver, uh, Shedrick, Disu, uh, that group trying to go inside out. Now they're trying it the opposite way uh, after uh, after some uh, trial and error. Okay, then this next question, fellas, uh, it's from Tracy Jackson. We'll take one more basketball question, then move on. Uh, Tracy says, "Does this essentially put them in the NIT?" Oh, I mean, we still got a lot of games left, and I—I I, I mean, we were talking about it. The the margin for error now is razor thin, but there's still a path. Plus, you could, you know, find uh, lightning in a bottle basically in the Big Twelve tournament. So you never know just how that goes. Uh, Texas does have a grip, a pretty solid net rating which for the NCAA tournament, they look a lot of those advanced metrics and analytics and, and statistics that go by beyond the win-loss record. You know, you talk about the quad one, quad two. I don't think Texas plays a quad two team for the remainder of the season. So a lot of opportunities to make the jump into the tournament. Obviously, I, I think Texas, uh, the, as we talked about, they, they don't have much to lose moving forward. They cannot afford to lose a, a very much. And Christian Kruger says, is it baseball season yet? <laughs> <laughs> We're very close. The uh, alumni game and fan appreciation day are both this Saturday. I think autographs start at 1030 and then the actual game itself at 230. And then the following Friday, we're there, baby. Can't wait. So hey, true question for you, Blake, on the on baseball. Um, how, how long until they get into Big 12 play? Like, is it about a month? of out out of season stuff and then they get into i think so i remember looking and thinking man it starts pretty quick yeah so march 8th march 8th they'll open up against texas tech and lubbock you know and texas tech obviously a top 25 team top 20 in some publications so uh yeah and then then they kind of go back to you know wash then they host washington and air force and then back in the conference play so um you know it'll 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 start very quickly that's crazy very crazy. So, all right, let's go to this next one here. And, you know, we talk a lot about recruiting, uh, but we haven't talked about last year's class a lot here lately. Captain Americano says, I watched some film on Aaron Butler 
and feel like we may be sleeping on him a bit. I don't think he's an instant rotation guy, but I think he could be a key contributor the following year. CJ, what do you think about Butler? I like Butler a lot. I've been seeing his name a lot in terms of uh, what people might expect to be one of the sleepers from the class. You know, we didn't know a whole lot about him about a week or two leading up to uh, signing day. And of course, he hops in the fold and signs right away. So and, and a lot to learn about him. And I thought Texas fans did a good job doing their research because he is a pretty talented player. You see it on the film. He's he's electric with the ball in his hands. And you know, Sarkeesian made it a priority to replace what was Aaron Hampton with a guy who had a similar set of skills and traits with the speed and uh, agility with the ball in his hands. It's going to be a crowded room in that room, even after what we see this year. Does he leapfrog Ryan Niblett and DeAndre Moore? Uh, can he fight for, you know, those those big-time snaps with, uh, you know, Ryan Wingo, Jonte Cook? That's kind of the conversation right now. I'd like to see him get his feet wet in special teams a little bit this year, maybe, you know, catching some of those uh, late kicks, you know, if, if Texas is up big. That would be interesting to me. Uh, but I, I do have high hopes for Aaron uh, for, for Aaron Butler, but a lot going on right now with that Texas wide receiving room, and I'm, I'm excited to see just where it goes from 2024 to 2025. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Okay, guys, and then we have a question here, a couple of questions regarding the spring game. Uh, and Sandman23 says... Our football spring game is on April the 20th, but the portal opens on April 15th. With that in mind, would it behoove us to move the spring game one week earlier to April 13th so we can assess our spring game and assess if we need to attack the portal? Well, I think by then you certainly know what the weaknesses on your team are going to be. You know, it doesn't take a live action game to tell you that. If anything, you can get them on campus for kind of a uh, a, a fake or a, a little mock game day to give these kids an idea of what they could uh, expect coming to Texas. So I would actually use that spring game as a benefit to get these guys uh, who entered the portal on campus for a visit right away to get, let them see an idea of what it's like to play football at Texas during a season game. Okay, guys. And then uh, we'll do one more question. Then we got a special guest joining us. Uh, but, Bobby, I'm going to let you take this one from Rob Enfield. Any news on Kenny Baker? Uh, you know, he. I don't even know if he's been in the office yet. <laughs> like, I think he went straight to the road recruiting and getting uh, his stuff to Austin as much as possible. Um, and uh, he, has to, he had to file paperwork uh, first day of the job uh, to actually go on the road recruiting. So we had to take uh, the, the NCAA test, et cetera. Uh, we'll see how it goes, uh, but uh, we should uh, we should see him out on the road officially today. 
Uh, they also had to take Brandon Harris off the road to put him on the road as well. So that's part of the uh, process. Uh, I did talk to someone uh, in the building earlier this morning. And uh, look, uh, they're they're excited about the opportunity they have right now in recruiting overall, not just with Kenny Baker, uh, but the reception that they're getting across the country uh, with Sark out in Georgia. I mean, he, he was, I mean, you think about it, Sark's Florida, Georgia, and now Alabama this morning. And that's in the last two days. They are getting really good reception right now uh, from inside. That's that's the that's the word. Uh, you mentioned Jamie French uh, earlier. This is a top one of the top handful of receivers in the country out of Jacksonville Mandarin that Sark and those guys uh, went by to see. The issue there, um, CJ, that that's really important. He he was committed to Alabama, and he backed off of that. And he's wide open now. And a guy like that goes to the top of just about everybody's board. So see, let's see what happens. Uh, uh, and it's not – I, I don't want to just talk about Kenny Baker because I do think he's going to be a plus recruiter from what I'm hearing, uh, which will turn things around a little bit in that room. But my point of it is, is that they're just – right now the reception Texas is getting on the road is better than they've ever had it, period. And that's that's going to portend good things to come in the months, uh, m- weeks and months ahead. All right, Bobby. Well, I am going to let you take the lead on this uh, here. We you're, we brought we're bringing in Brett Wilkinson, and I'm going to let you explain a little bit about Brett as I bring him in. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things we like to do, and, and Brett did this with us last year. Uh, if y'all are familiar with the Athletic Directors Cup rankings, uh, Texas uh, I think finished second in it last year after winning two years in a row. There's a guy out there named Brett Wilkinson. There's actually a couple uh, that love to, to follow this and where Texas is uh, vis-a-vis the rest of the country. Uh, Brett, welcome in. I'm going to let you explain exactly what you do as well. He's a, he's a diehard Longhorn fan uh, as well. Go ahead, Brett. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Um, yeah, as Bobby was saying, um, every year uh, Learfield awards the Director's Cup to the top athletic program in the country. Um, This had been dominated by Stanford for 25 years in a row until Texas broke through under the lead of Chris Del Conte and won back-to-back Directors' Cup championships. And last year, it was a close finish, um, but they fell um, to Stanford and took second place. So one thing I noticed with the Directors' Cup is there's not very many updates. They, They will post maybe four updates throughout the year. And to me, that's like watching a football game and getting a score update after the end of each quarter. That's not very exciting. As you can see in the graphic y'all are running here that I made, you know, this is a dynamic contest that's running throughout the entire year. Um, So what I wanted to do is provide updates after each championship so people could see how the Director's Cup was playing out in real time, so to speak. I also like to, when we get into the spring, um, start making some predictions about who might finish first, if Texas might have a chance to knock off Stanford or not. Um, So it's a lot of fun, and it's just a way to get people more engaged with what I think is a pretty cool um, uh, annual contest to name the best athletic department. Yeah. So last year, who last year, Stanford win, Ohio State, who ended up uh, taking the, the title last year away from Texas? So, so Stanford won, um, you know, they, they got back on top um, after a two-year hiatus. Um, and, and really, like I said, they've been the dominant force in this space. Um, they have 
a large athletic department. They have 31 sports that compete in NCAA championships. Texas, with the addition of beach volleyball, now has uh, 21. So you can see the, the size discrepancy there. And the way the scoring system's set up, you take the scores from your 19 top programs. And of those 19, you must include volleyball, both basketball teams, and baseball. Um, and with that scoring setup, it really favors Stanford, who has this really big athletic program. There's not much wiggle room for a school like Texas that only has 21 teams. So let, let, we talked to Chris Del Conte. He's talking about um, adding uh, sports uh, in, in the coming years, uh, in part because of Title IX uh, right, right now. They, they need more women's sports, so we're going to be on the lookout for any number of different things. Um, right now, who's in the lead for the Director's Cup, and how does it look this year compared to last year? Uh, women's volleyball winning again. Uh, there, there seem to be some other uh, pieces that, that seem to lend to the idea that Texas might be able to recapture it this year. Yeah, so the, the fall finished with actually UNC on top North Carolina. North Carolina is really strong in the fall. They have some great programs. They will, they will do well in the spring, but they typically fade a little bit because they don't have a lot of really good programs in the winter and spring. So I expect them to stay in the top 10, but I don't think they're going to stay on top. Stanford, as you can see, was right behind them, you know, what, 1.5 points um, behind. So Stanford's right there, as expected. And then Texas came in third place with 344 points. And you say third, that's good. You know, we're Texas. We want to be up in the top three. This is by far the best fall finish that Texas has ever had. Texas, and I went all the way back um, to when this started in 1993. Texas has never scored more than 300 points in the fall. Last year was the best fall Texas had ever had. They scored 298 points. Wow. So adding 46 points to that total um, is huge. Finishing in the top three in the fall is huge for a school like Texas that only competes in five sports in the fall. Stanford competes in eight of the of the eight sports in the fall. Stanford competes in all eight of them. So again, you see that huge leg up that Stanford has, especially early on in the standings. Um, so Texas really had a phenomenal fall. Um, they outpaced themselves by 46 points, um, like I said, compared to last year. So football obviously had a leg up from last year. <laughs> that has to be one of them. Uh, volleyball won the national championship. What were the other sports that uh, played a role in that for Texas? Yeah, football had the biggest um, um, points gained out of all the sports. So they they did score 49 points last year. They, they finished 25th in the uh, coaches poll, which was huge because they were actually unranked in the um, – in the AP poll, um, but they did add 31 points by finishing fourth this year. So, so that was a huge gain. Um, volleyball, of course they broke even, but they won the championship again. So, so you can't ask for more than that. And, and what was fun to watch in volleyball is they actually had an elite eight matchup against Stanford. So not only did they stop Stanford from scoring, you know, 10 points, in that game, but they they also prevented them from scoring more and more points, and it also allowed Texas to get all the way to that 100 point mark for winning the championship. So that by itself was a huge swing. Um, women's soccer had their most successful season of all time, tied for their most successful season, I should say. They've been to the Sweet 16 a handful of times, 
and they were able to do that again um, this year behind, you know, Lexi Misamo and, and Trinity Byers, who are just dynamos. And uh, we're hoping for even better things um, next year. Yeah, Brett, uh, excuse me. Thanks for joining us this yeah. morning. I, I wanted to ask, you know, is there how are these sports weighted? You you mentioned 100 points for a national championship. Are they all on the same scale? Is there, you know, does football outweigh anything? How, how does that work there? Yep, that's a great question, CJ. So in the Director's Cup, all sports are scored exactly the same. Everything is on basically a zero to 100 point scale, regardless of what the sport is. Now, your smaller sports and your smaller brackets, you get fewer points for your earlier successes, and you don't get to those bigger points until later. I mean, some of these brackets are 18 brackets. So much smaller than, you know, a basketball bracket with 64 teams. So they do take that into account. But ultimately, if you win a championship, you're going to get 100 points regardless of the sport. Compared to the Capital One Cup um, that's put out, and I think um, sponsored by ESPN as well, um, they actually have a group. I think they call it Group A and Group B. The Group A sports, you get three times as many points. And so that's things like football, basketball, baseball, um, volleyball. Um, and that that cup is actually divided into men's and women's. So they have two different winners. Um, and they also update their scores after each championship. So that's why I don't follow that one as closely. They basically do the work that I'm doing for the Director's Cup. They do it themselves. Got it. Hey, uh, Brett, we appreciate you, you joining us. What are the, the, the ones that we need to look out for this spring that will dictate whether or not you think Texas wins. Because if 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 Stanford has so many more sports than Texas, only the top 20 count, is that correct? The top 19. Top 19 sports count. So what are the ones that have to do well this spring for Texas to be in this conversation? Yeah, well, um, all of them. <laughs> and, and that's where Texas is at. And, and that's why Texas has done well at this in the past, but never – as, as well as they've done recently. And really, I think when you hear CDC talk about the athletic programs, he wants every program competing for championships. And impressively, he's, he's on the precipice of that being true. So um, one number to keep in mind is 75. We need Texas to score about 75 points in each of their sports to be competitive at the end of the day. Um, ones to keep a close watch on men's basketball. It's a required sport. Um, I know you were just talking about basketball. <laughs> Texas actually moved up in the net rankings, even with their loss last night. So they're they're on the bubble. We really need Texas to get in to the tournament and score some points. Texas cannot afford to take a zero. So if they don't make the the NCAA tournament, you know I think our chances are slim to none. Other than that, though, there's going to be a lot of top finishes coming for Texas. This is just how this athletic program performs. So the the uh, Texas Longhorns Twitter account is always posting the updated rankings. And, and I won't read the sports, but the rankings of the, the winter and spring sports that are out there right now are 2nd, 2nd, 4th, 5th, 8th, 8th, 10th, 10th, 11th, 13th, and 16th. And then uh, sports that aren't listed, the men's basketball team's not ranked. The outdoor track teams aren't ranked, but we know that they're going to do well. Uh, beach volleyball, which who knows um, what that season's going to look like, and then rowing. So we know those other sports that aren't listed in those rankings, you know, there's going to be some high-level success there too. So a lot of top 10 finishes still to come for Texas. 
Yeah, it Brent, certainly helps that Stanford's ten and nine in basketball too. I would bet. What's that? Stanford? I said it certainly helps that Stanford's 10 and 9 in basketball, I would bet. <laughs> if Stanford's men's basketball could make the tournament consistently, uh, we, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation because there would just be no chance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, thanks so much, Brett, for your time, buddy. Uh, you keep up the good work. We'll check in with you probably a couple months down the road when the race starts tightening up and uh, some of the results start uh, coming in as well. Sounds great. Thanks for having me, right. Bobby. Look, yeah, thank you for doing good work, man. Appreciate, appreciate it. Thanks, yeah. guys. He does good work. I, Brett actually, uh, whether people realize it or not, one of the guys that actually created this. I mean, and so it's fun to watch it. And he did it because out of his love for the University of Texas in part, as well as uh, college athletics generally, uh, we appreciate his time on coffee and football this morning. Yeah, yeah. that was great. And then uh, real quick, we'll give his Twitter a shout out since he came on with us. You can go online and follow his updates. He, it, and that's where I pulled up some of those graphics from while he was talking. But uh, direct underscore C updates on Twitter. And then that way you can keep up with the progress and Brett's work throughout the rest of the spring and summer. So good stuff. Right. Well, days. yeah, very like good that. stuff for sure. A lot, that's interesting too. Like I didn't, I, you know, the scoring and all that. I, I've always wondered that. That was a great question, CJ, because I was curious too. So, all right, y'all. Well, we got time for some more questions and we are going to take some more. And uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Ronnie is anyway from Rosenberg. Bobby, CJ, in your opinion, who's the next commit? Man. Um, I, I don't know. Look, offensive linemen tend to commit early, right? But I don't know which offensive lineman is most on the cusp of making a decision right now. Um, I do think Texas sits really well with Kelshawn Hopkins, uh, Johnson, a young man out of Hitchcock, a wide receiver. Uh, but I don't know that he's ready to make a decision yet either. CJ, do you have a feel for that? Kelshawn Johnson was the name I was going to mention. I was also going to say, you know, we're kind of entering that kind of weird phase in the recruiting cycle right now where it's still very early. Kids are going to, in the next probably month and two, a little bit maybe further on, they're going to start uh, making that list for their official visits. And I know that's when really you'll start seeing the ball and dominoes start falling a little bit faster in the recruiting world. I, I was actually thinking too, Bobby, which uh, which positions do you see spots start going fast? What about somebody like Ricky Stewart at Chapel Hill, the yeah, running back? That's a good pick. Um, because he was, uh, you know, he clearly likes Texas a lot. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see where, where the, what happens there. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, one of those things. Uh, absolutely. Committed to SMU at the moment as well. So we're going to have to see a little bit of, of movement there prior to any movement with Texas. We're going to stay on the recruiting questions. Jesse Ullman says, CJ, Amari Irvin was just recently offered. He's listed as a running back. However, please tell me we're recruiting him as a linebacker. Do you have any information on this? Well, it was Tashard Choice that offered him out of Atlanta. He's a 2027 uh, prospect that plays both sides of the ball, obviously. Running back, linebacker. Uh, again, Tashard Choice was there, so there's a long time to continue his evaluation uh, the tape is exciting. I mean, there's a reason why so many people uh, have him listed as both uh, an athlete and a guy that plays uh, uh, running back and linebacker. I don't, I don't know. I don't have a definitive answer on which one he was offered at. 
But to Shard Choice being the one to offer him and kind of be in that vicinity of Atlanta, Georgia, gives me an indication that he's got an eye for talent and he likes having his running backs, uh, you know, scouted out pretty early. So that's kind of where I lean there. Bobby, have you heard anything on Amari Irvin or is that a little too far out for you? I don't know anything on Amari Irvin other than the offer at this point. That's not my I, not my game on this. Uh, I looked at it, I looked it up and I just don't know him. He's young. He's, I mean, talented prospect. 2027 plays both sides. So we'll see which way his body grows and develops because that also might be a little bit of a tipping point in terms of which and where the staff uh, views him as a, a college athlete. Well, I mean, the issue is it's just another Georgia guy. <laughs> I mean, th- that's my biggest takeaway. I mean, they are not going slight in Georgia right now. Um, you know, they may end up throwing out 20, 25 offers in Georgia. That That's that's my biggest takeaway of that, I guess. Across a number of classes, to your point, CJ. Champ Bailey 3 says, do you have any new updates with Michael Fasusi? At the beginning, it looked like he was all Texas, but he's starting to flirt with out of state. What's the word on him? Yeah, by my, my accounts, his last visit to Texas was week three against Wyoming. Uh, so it's been a little bit of a, a, a stretch in between. That's something to monitor right now. I thought Texas got off to a very hot start for Fasusi. He reciprocated a lot of interest in Kyle Flood. I actually think after the Alabama game, he tweeted out a, a, a photo of Kyle Flood on FaceTime. So uh, a lot of early interest. And as you mentioned, he's kind of been uh, checking out other options. He was at Missouri on January 20th, the day that Texas hosted his big junior day on campus with over 120 prospects uh, coming down to the 40 acres. So Texas was unable to get FaceTime with him there, but I would expect to see uh, a visit here in the spring, at least you know uh, by the end of spring football, if not earlier. Uh, he was very high on Texas early on. I know Texas liked him as well. Uh, a lot of in-state line, offensive linemen that are really starting to make headway as well uh, on the national recruiting stage. So uh, we'll monitor that one. But right now, I think it's him just doing his due diligence as, as a result of someone who has, you know, close to 35, 40 offers. Tom Rucker says, can we rest the Corian Moore from LSU? And who are some of the priorities for the 2025 class? Woo. I don't know about resting. That's going to be a tough one because right now LSU is on fire, guys. Uh, they've got the top running back, top wide receiver, and now the top quarterback in the recruiting class. Uh, now they may also have one of the top uh, cornerbacks as well. Jabori Antoine committed over the weekend too uh, out of Westgate. Um, I don't know about that. I mean, they're going to give it, uh, you know, and, and see what happens. I feel like, uh, you know, if you're looking at it for me, uh, I think priorities for the, the 2025 class are going to be defensive line. Uh, there'll be linebacker because there's so many good ones in this class and then the secondary and then probably high-end guys on offense. I mean, Texas is to a point now where they're recruiting a little bit differently. They're looking for difference makers, not just guys. And so they're going to take big swings and see what happens. Uh, so if I had to say a priority, I would put defensive line and particularly defensive tackle at the, at the head of that list. But what I would do more than anything is put high-end prospects at the top of it because they're looking to swing big. So if a Jamie French, for example, is really available, uh, they're looking for those kind of guys that are difference makers right now. They mm-hmm. want – I mean, I know this sounds – they want a, a class full of Anthony Hills. 
they're not going to get a class. Nobody does. But my point being difference makers is what they're looking for right now. Those that's the priority. Yeah. All right. And then we're going to go to this next question from too broke to pay attention. And he says, any news on the slim Reaper and booby feaster after their junior day visits to Texas, obviously slim Reaper is Savoy Nichols out of Waco. <laughs> BJ. Yeah. Oh, Savoy Nichols out of Waco. I was actually thinking <laughs> manual choice out of Lancaster, the six, four wide receiver as well. So uh, a little clarity on both of those, I guess. Uh, Texas is still in the mon monitoring Savoy Nichols uh, very cl uh, closely there. Um, he's been making his uh, visits around the state. Uh, Emmanuel Choice was actually up at Oklahoma. It looks like the Sooners are going to be prioritizing him uh, very hard. If you look at the, the on-field Production Oklahoma's been getting from their wide receivers. They fit the size and mold of Emmanuel Choice a little bit closer uh, than what Sarkeesian's been deploying with his wide receivers down here in Austin. So a lot going on there. Uh, and then Booby Feaster, I actually got to talk to him a little bit prior to his visit. He said he's been down to Texas about five or six times now. And that's a 2027 wide receiver out of DeSoto. Uh, has electrifying speed around 10.8, 10.7 verified. He said he hopes to get down to a 10.5. Uh, this upcoming uh, spring as a true sophomore. So very encouraging there. I know Texas pitched to him being the next Julio Jones, is I, I think what you mentioned on the on Texas yep. football site, Blake. Uh, that right there should give you an indication of how the Texas staff views him and uh, certainly sees him progressing in his development. He's about 6'1", 6'2", right now and can run that fast. A lot of excitement with Booby Feaster. I actually got to see his uh, uh, high school debut, believe it or not, at Allen this this past uh, fall. So a lot of, a lot going on. He's going to be one of the most highly coveted prospects in the entire country for his class with that speed and size. All right. And then let's talk about transfers. Isaiah Stewart says if key Michigan players were to hit the portal, what attrition do you think Texas could expect? Wow. Uh, well, now do you expect, are, is he asking what attrition Texas could expect or Michigan? could expect um well, he it's says hard yeah it's hard to know there i think that if michigan players were to hit the portal texas is look i mean that's an opportunity that's now i again i don't think texas is going to go whole hog on anybody uh, or on anything but they are going to look to uh add specific positions like defensive tackle as they should um when, when Steve Sarkeesian went into this, this offseason, he literally said, let's go after guys that make sense for us. We don't have a roster that needs overhauling like some people do in the portal. We need an, a roster that needs amplifying. And so I think that's where they're going to look at it. Defensive tackle is the one position where Texas doesn't have the numbers, though. I mean, like they have numbers, good enough numbers at other spots. They don't have the numbers there. I will. I would add this: if they go after a other elite players at Michigan, like a Will Johnson, you know there are guys that Michigan has that are top ten, top fifteen draft picks. Colston Loveland, the tight end, is a top maybe why maybe tight tight end number one in in next year's NFL draft. They somehow go after him. I mean, you don't know what will happen, but we we got to wait and see who goes in. Right now, I, I do think that Texas would love to see a defensive lineman or two go in from Michigan. I just don't know if it's going to happen. And they don't either right now. 
Well, let's go to the other side of the coin. Bobby, you talked about defensive tackle being a little thin or, you know, maybe being the biggest question mark. But King Me says, which position group will have the best too deep in 2024? Quarterback. That's a good answer. Quarterback. um, I, I could see, I could see nickel if Makuba and Jade Barron are playing there. Potentially. Um, but I, I, I don't know. Is Texas too deep anywhere, really, in your opinion, CJ, with, with NFL players other than uh, other than quarterback? I mean, that, that's a fair question, right? You're, you're uh, muted, CJ. Sorry. Uh, you said too deep with NFL talent. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's legitimately like – I know people are talking about a log jam at defensive end, but are they are those NFL players or are they just guys? I mean, are, is there a log jam anywhere with multiple NFL players? Maybe somewhere, yeah, but they're that's not really that's a little different. Blue and Baxter, that's a little different in that I think there's room for both guys to play. That that's right. what I was going to go with running back for the best two deep. Uh, just because I think you'll see more impact out of them than what you will with Arch and Quinn. Uh, you look back at what Trey Wisner might be able to do. Um, you know, the the two freshmen coming in, That's I mean, that, that to me is a pretty stacked, loaded room that I think can make a, a pretty impactful uh, early impact on this team. Wide receiver was an interesting one just in the sense of you're leaving off either two five-star guys or guys with, you know, 75 career catches on the field – at any given play for the most part, you know, who are you keeping off of that field right now? That to me is also an interesting one as well. Okay, guys. Uh, and I'm not going to make you name specific players here, but let's talk about position wise. Miguel Gonzalez says, guys, who do y'all think the horns could lose to the portal this spring? Again, not players, but what positions do you think we could see some attrition from here in a couple months? I think it'd be safe to say you, I mean, you might look at uh, the offensive line. That's a crowded room. They're up to about 13 guys on campus right now. Uh, you might be able to look at a running back potentially, maybe a guy who's been passed up at receiver. There's a lot of places where Texas has added a, a, a very talented crop over the last four months, really. And you can say, you know, potentially a couple guys that have been passed up, maybe a defensive back as well. They're, there's a lot of spots. Texas added a lot of talent in the portal and through the high school ranks. If you, you know, if this spring, you might see some guys getting passed up pretty quickly. Bobby. I, I think that I don't think the offensive line, I think there's like 17 or 18 total now, CJ, but a lot of those are young. Yeah. So I don't expect attrition there. Um, unless it's just guys that they may not fit the culture. Um, I, I look at a guy like Jalen Gilbo, you know, who with uh, someone like Jade Barron coming back and Andrew Makuba coming in, where is his position in the future? What about Austin Jordan? They're, they're getting up there in age and not necessarily breaking through, right? Um, Juan Davis was, was close, but I think he's a good culture guy at Texas. Uh, I, you know, the great thing about where Texas is, there's not a lot of fat to trim. You know, a year ago, I could have told you that, you know, these guys may need to move on because I don't see them ever having a place at Texas. 
that that kind of there may be three to four of those guys on the roster now or four to five as opposed to 15 to 20 a year ago. That's the difference and and why Texas, I think, is fundamentally better off than they were a year ago. All right, Bobby, before we move on to the next subject, why don't you tell folks out there about Texas electricity ratings? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for anyone shopping for electricity in the deregulated areas of Texas, like Houston and Dallas, TexasElectricityRatings.com is the best place to find a great electricity plan for your household. For, starter, for starters, it filters out the dangerous, dangerous and gimmicky plans from providers that are all hat and no cattle when it comes to your monthly bill. You can shop by rate, but also by an average bill feature that actually takes into account seasonal usage to give you a real number and not some placeholder. So if you're looking for a new electricity plan or just want to shop around, check out TexasElectricityRatings.com forward slash OTF for the best options available. And they say hook them to all the Longhorn fans out there. And we want to thank them for sponsoring each and every Tuesday morning right here on Coffee and Football. And let's talk about the NFL draft. King Me says, which Longhorn gets drafted first? And could you see him going to Houston or Dallas? And there was an NFL draft put out the other day where the Houston Texans selected Byron Murphy with their first pick. But Yahoo Sports, uh, they put out their first two-round draft yesterday, and I'm going to bring that up here, fellas. We'll kind of go through it. They have five Longhorns taken in the first two rounds. However, they said no Longhorns in the first round, and they started it off with the Chargers taking Byron Murphy uh, in the second round, followed by the very next pick, uh, Adonai Mitchell going to the Titans, and then Xavier Worthy going to the Eagles, followed by Jatavion Sanders going to the Dolphins. And last but not least, uh, Jonathan Brooks going to the Dallas Cowboys. So my question to you guys, number one, do you think it is the second round before we see a Longhorn drafted? And what do y'all think about some of these picks? I mean, Worthy in the Eagles offense, Sanders in the Dolphins offense. How about this? <laughs> How about the fact that Tavondre Sweat isn't one of the top five Longhorns picks? Yeah. <laughs> That's another yeah, thing. Winner. Um, you know, Brooks going as high as a second round coming off an ACL injury. I don't know that that's going to happen. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I hope to be wrong. Um, but I, I don't see that happening. I, I, I think Tavondre Sweat's going to be too valuable in the second round, uh, particularly late in the second round for when, when big time teams that are in the playoffs start looking to where they need to get better next year. A lot of them are going to look on the interior defensive line. I mean, I, I, I guarantee you could go back and look at it. They'll start drafting interior linemen in the second and third rounds, the elite teams. And they do it because there's not much left. That's going to change them on the outside or in the offensive skill game. That that's their thinking. So I, I having followed the draft a little bit, uh, there's a lot of lot of interior linemen that go second, third, fourth round. Yeah. Do you think Murphy or Sweat first? I mean, a lot of mocks now are just so high on Murphy. Um, you know, I mean, we've seen well countless ones really over the past few weeks. Some people even saying that he could be a top 10, 12, even 15 pick. Do you think I, he's the first horn taken? I think that he's likely the first horn taken at this point, given what I'm I'm reading. 
The one thing about Byron Murphy is you know what you get with Byron Murphy. Um, Tavondre Sweat, I don't want to call him a one-hit wonder, but he did just kind of turn it on at the end here, right? Now, when he turned it on, it was a little special. Um, Murphy has been consistent from day one at Texas. And so if you're going to invest that kind of money at a high-level pick, you're going to want to know. Uh, a lot of teams are going to want to know exactly what they get. Some are willing to take uh, more risk than others. Uh, but, you know, I feel like he he is probably the biggest can't-miss prospect in this group of Texas players. Um, I think Christian Jones is a can't-miss guy, but I think he's a fourth or fifth-round pick. Like, there's a lot of wiggle room with where you might pick Adonai Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, and JT Sanders, and even Jonathan Brooks because of the injury. Um, it's hard for me to say whether they're some of those guys are late first round or mid second round. I just think there's a big gap there. But Murphy, I think, is going to be a solid NFL player for a long time. I actually think Tavondre Sweat will be too, uh, based on where he's going uh, right now. He's on the right path. I would be willing to take a, a chance on him. Mitchell, Worthy, and Sanders, they're kind of weird, weird ads because they don't have ideal. Mitchell doesn't have that great speed on the outside, right? Um, and Worthy does, but he's not necessarily a competitive ball catcher. Uh, and then you worry about uh, Brooks's injury and Sanders. Is he good enough to block and create, uh, you know, space for himself uh, on offense? I Look, it's a tremendous draft class for Texas, though. I mean, five guys overall going into the first two rounds. Sign me up for that every year. <laughs> but, I mean, because Steve Sarkeesian will end up – recruiting extremely well off of that in my opinion extremely well uh, go ahead cj are you about to say something yeah i mean i i'm looking at the first two rounds right now and it just there's a lot of destinations that make a lot of sense for for these guys in terms of where they might fall and where they might get picked you know uh i i think byron murphy ends up going first but towards the end of that first round like i could see someone like the buffalo bills taking you know, A.D. Mitchell. They won't have Gabe Davis this year. He's headed out to a free agency to compliment Stephon Diggs. That's kind of the same mold. They have a 6'2 wide receiver that not, 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 not necessarily will burn you deep, but, you know, it, it is a good deep threat, you know, good possession guy. You know, I think if the Chiefs are back there in the second round, they might go get a guy like Xavier Worthy because that's been the, 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 the type of mold, that receiver that they've wanted. Obviously, Tyreek Hill made all the splash plays, but you go out and you look at McCole Hardman as well. Uh, Xavier Worthy fits that mold. I, I think uh, for the Cowboys, if you're drafting out of true necessity, which I think is what gets GMs fired more times than taking the best player available out of necessity, you're looking at the defensive line saying, yeah, we, we need a guy that can stop the run immediately. That might be Tavondre Sweat. Or you flip around to the other side of the ball and you say, hey, we need a running back because we thought Tony Pollard was going to be the guy. He had a good year, but he wasn't you know, a franchise guy that you want to lock up for a long time. Jonathan Brooks could be that guy. So a lot going on. I think that second round is going to be very busy. Uh, and, I, I mean, I would be a little bit surprised to not hear Tavondre Sweat's name called uh, by round three. But, I mean, that's kind of the way things are trending, it looks like. I'm hoping a big week at the Senior Bowl is actually able to elevate his draft stock a little bit as well into that true day two, uh, day or round two kind of category. CJ Savandre Sweat is he? The problem with him is he's not a three down player. 
Right. Is that is that, is that what people are kind of labeling him as right now? Yeah, I I, I think there's the NFL is a different beast because at 100 or 360 pounds, you don't normally see that kind of impact and pass rushing. You know the the interior approach there. You know you have your your one offs like you have Indomitian Sue, who was obviously uh, uh, should have won the Heisman. You got guys like Vita Vea who's able to be impactful up there. There were times this year where Tavondre Sweat was very impactful in the passing game. You know, we, we can point to it at the Kansas State game specifically in which what he was able to do in, in, in pass rushing saved games for Texas. But you're not going to see that on a consistent basis, which is what the NFL values. And so I think if you're looking at a three-down interior defensive lineman, if, if you're not providing that, you're not able to do that, your stock's going to fall a little bit. And I think that's why we're seeing the stock roar so much for Byron Murphy on the flip side. Got it. Also, Pro Football Network, they uh, put out their top five defensive tackles from the Senior Bowl, or, you know, who they're projecting, I guess, to be the top five. And uh, both Murphy and Sweat were one and two on that list. So, some high hopes for the Longhorn duo. All right. Well, let's take some more questions here. We got a little bit more time before we got to get out of here, guys. And CJ, this is a question for you from D. He says, because you like the K- the Kansas City and Ravens game, did you like the Hurricane Miami Hurricanes back in the day from the documentary? I know you're not born then, but did you <laughs> like them? <laughs> yeah, I was four years old when they were winning. That was a lot. Uh, but I mean, the, the, I mean, in that widely regarded as the greatest team of all time, the, the, those Miami teams from 2000, 2001. Um, the most talented. I don't know if they were the best teams is my problem with them. Okay. Uh, ben, Ken Dorsey was not a, an elite quarterback. Um, and so the best teams, I think, are the ones that have great quarterbacks with great talent around them. Um, and they lost in part because they didn't have a great quarterback against Ohio State in 01. They were in the they true were offseason. They were talented. That ridiculous. There were some yeah. 90s teams and 80s teams, and even uh, the last run, really, of Larry Coker. There were teams that Miami had that, you know, had multiple Hall of Famers. In them. I mean, you know, multiple Hall of Famers. So No, no one team went undefeated, Bobby. Uh, is it the oh, one? Or the, the, which one? The year before. Yeah, when they got screwed on the call, who was the year before, I believe. The one team, I think they were 12 and 0, but I don't okay. remember how many draft picks were on. I mean, it was absurd, man. Absurd. But they still didn't they still didn't have the quarterback. Like and, I, you know, that's my piece on those greatest teams of all time. You got to have a quarterback or else you're not really you're not really fair. You know because, we're in the the true offseason, Bobby, when we're in this greatest team of all time conversation. <laughs> yeah. For me, like the last 10 years, the best team was 2019 LSU. I thought what they were able to do from that offense, there was no one ever coming close to that. Second half of the season, you're correct. First half of the season, they didn't know who they were yet. Yeah. That's why Texas almost got them in, in DKR. Yeah. Um, you know, they didn't know who they were yet. Joe Burrow was just figuring out how good he was, I think. But the second half of the season on, they were phenomenal. You're right. Absolutely. I mean, they they made Nick Nick Saban look like deli meat. I mean, <laughs> they chopped Truly. him up and sliced him and diced him like nobody's business. I mean, I, we don't, have, we don't even have to get into what they did to Oklahoma. Uh, J- Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. Terrace Marshall. Oh, man. They, First round running back. 
Incredible. Yeah, I mean, Joe Burrow himself. I that those are guys they they had an offense that that I will say this too, like throwing the ball is different than maybe what Texas was in 05, right? Texas was a little bit of both. It was it was a lot of vents and a lot of throwing and running. They focused almost a hundred percent on they had some runs, et cetera, but they were a throwing team. And so that was what was interesting about it's almost like that's how they were the best version of the 2010s. I think Texas was the best version of the aughts, 2005. Personally. Over over those Tebow Gator oh, teams? Yes. Oh, I mean, yeah. Tebow, yeah. Tebow, <laughs> Tebow was, was exactly what we thought he was. I mean, he was a – I'm not a Tebow guy. guy. I mean, I'm he's not, he was not a great quarterback. I'm a devil's advocate guy. Yeah, no, he was not a great quarterback. The ones that I would be more concerned with is 4 uh, USC or USC. Hey, that uh, that 2001 Miami team, 38 draft picks. They beat five top 15 teams and scored on average 42 points and only allowed nine. No, yeah. that's <laughs> phenomenal. They had guys now. I mean, I'm just telling you, they 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 were the most talented team. I yep. still, I you can't tell. Me I get what you're saying. Of, you can't tell me the best team of a decade. Had Ken Dorsey at quarterback, or or Tim Tebow at quarterback. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Interesting discussion for sure. Well, we got a super chat. We got to jump over to from Juan, guys. Thank you, Juan, for the big super chat. He says, "Bobby, do you think Rodney Terry's hire was an optics hire? They didn't go after Scott Drew or Kelvin Sampson, or do you think he's the right hire instead of getting a big name coach like Billy Donovan or Danny Hurley from UConn?" Well, I do. I I think it's fair to say that it was an optics hire at some level. Not completely, though. I mean, I don't don't diminish what Rodney Terry did. I mean, he took that team to the Elite Eight, and frankly, if Sir Jabari Rice isn't injured uh, and Dylan Disu isn't injured, they're probably in the Final Four last year. Um, so don't don't whatever you do, don't diminish what Rodney Terry did, even if it was partially an optics hire. From oh he's doing well at Texas you need to hire the man, right? Um, uh, I don't. I I think that the jury will be out until Rodney Terry proves everybody wrong, and I think that's the way it should be at Texas. Um, I like Rodney Terry personally for sure. I think he's a big time guy. Um, my point here is uh, that I'm interested in long term uh, what he's going to build and how he's going to build it. Uh, right now, I'm, you know, you can't wait until midseason to figure out who your best starting five is and how you want to play. That would be my critique of this this team so far this year. The only one that I think is really valuable or or valid. Thank you, Juan, for the super chat. We definitely appreciate it. All right, guys, this is going to be the last question for today. VFL TexX says, Texas SEC champions the first year in their new conference. Do you think it's possible? Possible, yes, but I think Georgia goes in as heavy favorites, guys, right? Yeah. Man, how big I mean, is that game? What's that? Georgia, I said, how big is that Georgia-Texas game midseason? I, I still can't believe SEC is going to learn that you can't just schedule stuff at Austin certain times. You have to kind of figure it out. It's the same time as that F1 stuff that comes to Austin every year. The hotel room prices right now for Texas, Georgia um, are in the eight and $900 a night range downtown. I mean, you just can't, 
That because it's it's the same weekend, and F one requires you to have a four day pass, a four day hotel reservation. So I mean, Bastrop. A lot of people going to be at the Holiday Inn or Hampton in Bastrop for that one. I think if you're coming from out of town. I'm I wish you own some Airbnbs. Uh, well, I, I, look, I'm just joking a little bit, but the reality of it is, is that's going to be a huge game. I think Georgia has to be the favorite. Beyond that, there's going to be a lot of good teams in the SEC. I, I, I wonder if Texas, if they get the right people, can be also a great team next year. That's the question I have. Yeah, uh, I was looking at that those hotel prices like they were already for the SEC championship game, and that game might actually end up being what decides. You know, kind of the 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 top or, or the upper tier of that SEC conference. It's looking like it's going to be the biggest game that we'll see from an SEC slate this year, maybe even in the country. Yep. All right, Bobby. Well, you got anything that of note coming up later today, right here on on Texas football? Yeah, absolutely. CJ and I are going to do a recruiting breakdown. We're going to try to go over a lot of these offers and kind of go a little bit deeper. We had some good recruiting questions today on coffee and football about prioritization. Uh, that I want to hit a little bit harder on and maybe go over some of the top-end guys that Texas is really recruiting at each position uh, and also talk about some of the guys they've offered. Uh, so I'm going to try to – I want to pinpoint that and, and really get in deep with CJ on that. And then obviously tonight, uh, Tuesday night, Rod Babers, CJ, as well as Aaron Hogan have our uh, weekly live stream at uh, 7 o'clock tonight. Uh, Rod, CJ, and Aaron Hogan. And then tomorrow we've got more of the same – Keep up with us on ontexasfootball.com as well. Click on the community thread and please join us in the community. Uh, feel free to uh, ask questions, talk Texas football or Texas sports, et cetera. Uh, I also want to say thank you to Brett Wilkinson uh, for joining us today. I thought he was very interesting uh, about the, the Director's Cup standings. Mm. For sure. And then be sure to go check his Twitter out as well so you can keep up to date with that. And then as Bobby said, head on over to ontexasfootball.com. If you haven't already as well, please hit that like and subscribe button. We would definitely, definitely appreciate that. And for Bobby Burton and CJ Vogel, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. Welcome. Welcome. Happy Tuesday. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.